Okay, today I have the honor of sitting on the back porch of our Florida rental house with my maternal grandmother. Uh, I know her as Mimi, but most people know her as Miss Shirley. (laughs) And I just wanted to take this opportunity, this rare opportunity where Avalon is napping, the middle two are gone, and Moses is preoccupied to, yeah, interview you and just get your life on audio. So... Thank you for being here today. <laughs> well, I can tell you the joy is all mine to Aww. be with y'all here at this beautiful beach, sitting on the porch, in the sunshine, and rocking my baby, baby, baby <laughs> Avalon this morning, sleeping with the sun in her face and the breeze blowing and looking at the ocean. It's just a little bit of heaven. Uh, yeah, it's got to be crazy to to be sitting there with your daughter's daughter's daughter. Exactly. And science tells us that the eggs that you carried are the and <laughs> your you daughter this with me. Yeah. And I I am quite old and I didn't even know this, but my granddaughter told me that and I thought that was the most interesting thing. It's pretty amazing. So, okay, take us back to when you were a little girl and set the scene for us. What was life like with for little Shirley 5 years old? Wow. You know, it's amazing. I don't, I don't recall having a lot of memories at five years old. I, honestly, uh, the first memory that I have as a child, I can remember my mother was, uh, she was, we had a lady that lived down the road from us. We lived down in the country and she was, she helped my mama cook and do some things. And I remember crying crying really, I mean, probably like pitching a fence, or <laughs> to be exact. And I remember my brother Hollis was trying to help me get my clothes on because I was crying because I thought I was not going to get to go with my mother to pick up, pick up this lady. Oh. And my brother kept saying, Shirley, you've got to get dressed first. But I, I wished I could remember how old I was. But that oh. is one of my very earliest memories as a child. Wow. And then, so that was, yeah, probably, you know, pre-mom getting sick. Well, my, I was going to say, mother was not bedridden then because okay. she was uh, driving and working. And What did she do for work? She worked in um, a plant called Bluebell. They made um, uh, denim overalls and blue jeans. Okay. And uh, she worked there. And Was she a seamstress? She did. Okay. Mm-hmm. She worked. And so, at what age did, what age were you when, I would assume, the most significant part of your life and, and as a child started, um, what age were you when your mom was bedridden? Well, she was, um, let's see, I, I was 11 when she died, so I would say five years prior to that, off and on, but for the last three, not able to get up hardly at all. Wow. I mean, she could get up a little bit, but completely out of breath to walk, to do anything. And were you her primary caretaker? Yes. Wow. That's she a lot. taught me how to cook. She. Um, I would love for you to share that. Okay. She would. Um, one of the, one of the main things that she, my mother couldn't have any salt because. She had um, rheumatic fever when she was 18, 
Well, actually, she had strep throat that caused her to have rheumatic fever, and um, she was, her heart was all the way in her back. Wow. Her heart was actually larger than her liver, and she could have no salt whatsoever. So I did the cooking for her, and I, she loved oatmeal in the mornings, and I always Aww. made her oatmeal with no salt. No, and she would always tell me, even as a little girl, she would always tell me, nobody can make my oatmeal like you do. Oh, <laughs> that makes until, me want to cry right now. this day, every time I make oatmeal, I think about my mother and how Gosh. sweet. And as a kid, I mean, I was, you know, I mean, there were a lot of, lot of memories that I regret. For instance... Um, I know we were only children, but she was not able to go to the bathroom. She had to use a bedpan beside her bed. And I remember me and Mike arguing over who was going to empty the bedpan. And even as a little girl, I regret that so badly. Even though I was, you know, and I've shared this so many times with my husband, he would always say, well, you were just a child. You right. Know, you didn't realize what you were doing. But even as an adult, you still, I just, you know, just honor your mom and dad and and do the things, if you still have them with you, do the things that that you wish that you could go back and do if they're not with you now. Just, I would say that. Yeah, that, and so I feel like that's precious. been so impactful for me, just like hearing you say that. And honestly, not until this year have I really recognized like just how insane your life was, you know? Okay, we moved inside because it was getting chilly and we had a guest, and so we're back. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so tell us about when, if you don't mind, your mom, your, that saying goodbye, and the, I mean, you know, just general. Okay. And then what happened after that in your life, where you went? Okay. <clears throat> well, my mother passed away October the 9th, 1959. And I was attending school at Davis Academy there in our uh, community. And we actually had a PTA program that night at school. And I was in a a play. Really? So I had to go. And my grandmother and my aunt, or actually both of my mother's sisters, both of my aunts, they were both at our house, so my aunt, who is only two years older than me, went with us to the PTA. And I actually don't know how we got there. Someone must have stopped by and picked us up because I don't know. I don't remember that part. Now, did you know? Oh, I had was... no idea. Really? I had no idea that my mother was that sick that she was about to die. I mean, wow. I had no indication of that. Did they know? I don't know if they knew. I don't know if I don't know if they just came out that night or if it was it was on a Friday night. I don't I don't know. But we got home from PTA and my dad met us at the door and just told me that that mom had died and I have zero recollection of anything that happened after that wow. that night. Wow. I don't remember anything. I just hate that you had to go through that. You mm. know, it's like feels so unfair. Well, you know, when you're 11 years old, you don't understand that 
impact of it at that moment. You don't understand it. And, you know, I know a lot of people have gone through a lot worse and had a lot more um, situations that were bad. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the relationship I had with my mother and the closeness that I had and the few very special moments, even in her hospital bed, of me being able to lay up next to her and put my arms around her. And my mother told me a lot of things at a very early age, uh, probably that she would not have shared with me that she knew she was going to leave. She knew that she like was... Like, what kind of things would she tell you? Well, she, for instance, I mean, what mother tells an 11-year-old, probably a 10-year-old, Yeah. don't ever marry a man that drinks liquor. Wow. You just, that's just something you don't have a conversation. She was letting, she was... She was letting me know that that would be a bad life for me. Wow. And, um... And I'm sure that you made... Decisions oh. on that. Oh, I trust me, I did. Wow, I did. And and um, my mother, uh, she left a letter. Uh, she she put in the letter of the songs that she wanted to be sung at her funeral, uh, the things that she desired for Mike and I. My brother, my younger brother, was nine years old, and I was eleven when she died. And my daddy worked in construction. And she had said previously, if he could not take care of us the way we should be taken care of, she wanted us to live with my brother, Hollis, who was married at the time. And he had been in the Air Force, but had he was stationed in Savannah. But due to mom's illness, he got to come home. No, excuse okay. me. Excuse me. He was uh, in Rapid City, South Dakota. And he got transferred to Savannah, Georgia, due to Mama's illness. Okay. And so he was stationed in Savannah when she passed away. So shortly after that, I guess he got out because, and the time frame is I don't I don't know exactly how long we lived out there. Okay. With just Dad and Mike and Larry and myself. My Larry's my other brother, and my sister. Uh, my older sister had, re had was married, so there was only Mike and my brother Larry that was at home at the time. But anyway, um, I, I don't remember how long it was before, not very long, because I started my freshman year in high school uh, in Commerce, which that was where Hollis lived. They lived in town. We were nine miles out in the country. And he lived in, in town, in commerce. And so I lived with him, my junior and, excuse me, my uh, freshman and sophomore year. I lived with him and Chris and Robin. And then, um, due to some circumstances that I won't go into, my dad ended up buying a mobile home and moving to Atlanta, Georgia, actually Forest Park, Georgia, and I thought my life had ended. Wow. I did not want to move. I did not want to move because, well, think about it. A young girl in high school, I'd made really good friends. I was uh, a cheerleader and went to the ball games. And I got didn't to, know that. Oh, yeah. Got to do a lot of things. And 
my very the dearest friend I've ever had was Julie Milford, and oh. we're friends till this day. Wow, we're still special. She's my special friend. I met her in the ninth grade, and um, this just to show you how drastic my life changed again. My dad came home on a Friday night and told us we were moving on Sunday. Wow, and I did not even have a chance. Julie and I reminisce about this. She had gone for the weekend. When she came home on Sunday night, her mother told her, Shirley has moved to Atlanta. And at that time, you didn't have a way to stay in touch other than write letters. Write letters is right. Well, we had the phone, of course. Okay. But, I mean, we didn't. I mean, I didn't get to say goodbye to anybody. We just moved. I mean, honestly, I cried all the way from... (laughs) I cried all the way from Commerce to Atlanta. I mean, Ugh. bawling, crying, not just not just a few tears streaming. I was so upset. But, you know, and you don't understand what's going on in your life. I was not a Christian at the time. But God has a plan for all of us. And he, when, when I, to this day, one of my favorite verses is Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together. For good to those who love the Lord, to those who are called according to his purpose. I was not a Christian. I didn't understand any of that concept. But I look back on my life and I see how God moved the pieces of puzzle. A lot of it, I had no control over it, none whatsoever. But if we had not moved, I would have never met my husband, to whom I've been married to for 55 years. <laughs> That's amazing. And we met, and he, he was uh, working at Georgia Power, and we were living in the same mobile home park. We met in a little, um, um, it was like a recreation room for, for teens. Oh, okay. Yeah, we met there, and we would just sit and listen to records and, and uh, talk and the first the first time that I met him, I just you've heard love at first sight. I think I fell in love with him the first time I That's ever saw him. I did not know that. Oh yes. And he was just oh, I just I really liked him a lot. What were what did you talk about? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> Probably life I have no experiences. Just, well, he had, he had come from the same kind of background. He lost his mother when he was ten years old, so I'm sure we had a lot to lot to talk about. Yeah. But we um, we did not. I mean, we did not have a smooth sailing. We it was kind of a rocky road. He was even when you were years, dating. Oh yeah. Okay. He was four years older than me. I was. Um, I was only 18 when we married. He was 22. But before that, we would date and break up, date and I did not up. know that. Oh, yeah. oh, my goodness. That's so funny. <laughs> You've heard me say this. You just forgot. I, know, I must have forgot. You yeah. forgot because we've talked about this because Bethany was 18 when she met. 19. I was 19 you when we got not, married. But was, I was engaged at 18. Exactly. And I used to. No, that's not true. When, when Bethany first, and when she first told me she was getting married. Did you stop? No, we're good. I had to just keep it alive. Oh, okay. Um, when Bethany and I, and I told her, I said, you're too young to get married. And she said, Mimi, you did. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's really funny. What can I say? Yeah. yeah. And I have no I have And when no you regrets. know, you know. When you know, you know. It's honest. It's That's honestly exactly true. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Okay, so all the little noise that you're hearing is Avalon. 
And so Avalon is making these little baby noises. So if you hear little grunts, that's what's going on. But that trailer park was named Avalon, right? That trailer park was Avalon Mobile Home Park. I, I, you could have blown me over with a feather when Bethany told me she was going <laughs> to name her little girl Avalon. She had no idea. She don't even remember that was the name of that park. I had but no idea. But isn't it amazing? Mm-hmm. It all began at Avalon. Yes. And, you know, and her middle name is Joan. And your maiden name was Jones. Jones. So Correct. it's kind of cool. And I named her Avalon because um, I think that her spirit is a lot like Aunt Londa. And my mom always calls Aunt Londa Lonnie. Lonnie. And I thought Avalon and Lonnie would be just such a cute. And the sisterhood that, you know, obviously being twins that they've had it. I, I only hope that for my girls. Anyway, so um, so then you got married and then... Did you stay at that mobile home park? No. Okay. We um, we rented an apartment on South Avenue, one fifty South Avenue, apartment okay. B. Okay. In in Forest Park, and um, I was working at um, customer loan company there on Main Street in Forest Park, and we lived there for nine months, and. My husband decided he wanted to buy, wanted us to buy a house. Oh. So we bought a house nine months after we were married and moved over on Longleaf Drive there in Forest Park. And we lived there for 12 years. Oh, wow. I and did not know that. That's where we began our family. London okay, Sunday you got to we'll... tell us about that. Okay. Tell us that story of your pregnant thinking you're... Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I was... We were we were married in uh, January of '66, and Lana and Sonia were born in uh, February of '68. Well, you've got to realize back then there was no such thing as ultrasound, so we had no earthly idea that we were going to have twins. <laughs> My doctor did not know I was going to have twins. However, I had an appointment. On the morning they were born, on on um, which, which ironic. ironically <laughs> tomorrow is Lana Sonia's birthday. Today's the fourth of February. They were born uh, February the fifth, and I've often wondered if if I had made it to the doctor for my appointment, would he would he have been able to detect two heartbeats? I see. They were born nine weeks premature. They were not due until April, and but anyway, after Londa was born. My doctor still didn't know I was going to have another one. Here he was sitting there waiting to finish up, and he and I heard him make the comment, wait a minute, there's a lot more baby to go yet. You had to be so confused. Because I know you ladies that are listening to this, you have no concept <laughs> of going into the hospital, which they didn't, they did not uh, put me to sleep immediately. It was way into the delivery they put you to sleep. Back then, they did. Okay. They would give you something to put you to sleep. Wow. Not an epidural. Wow. No. They would They would completely knock you out. You're not even aware when your baby's born. Wow. Which is sad. It is sad. It's very sad. But anyway, that's the way it was back in the late 60s. However, I came to... I mean, they had given me something not completely knock me out, but just to... Make me go to La La Land, I guess you would say. <laughs> but I came to enough, and the the concept of what I was hearing did not... I didn't know what was going on. 
because I heard him make the statement, there's a lot more baby. I didn't know I'd already had one baby. Wow. So I had had Londa and didn't even know I'd had a, that I was about to have another one. And so then when did you find so out? So then um, I went completely asleep. This is probably boring people no, to it's, death. No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> this is exactly what people want to hear. Okay. Well, anyway, so I, I went completely out. And then when I came to, I was in the recovery. And I remember the sweetest nurse. She came in, and she was patting me on the arm, and she said, congratulations, you're the mother of twin daughters. Well, I turned my head and looked at the gurney next to me. This lady, was they had just rolled in. I thought they were talking to her, and I just kind of in my groggy state smiled at her. She said, no, honey, I'm talking to you. <laughs> So then you're scrambling for and a I second said, name. I said, me? I had twins? Wow. Talk about the shock of your shock life. Shock of my life. Ecstatic. I was oh. ecstatic. Oh. I had always wanted twins. Oh. In high school, I used to talk about, oh, my, one day I'd love to have twins. Wow. Never dreamed it would be a reality. Wow. Never thought about it. <laughs> we had Londa Cherie picked out the name because when I was in high school, I used to babysit this little girl in at Avalon, that her name was Londa Cherie. Really? And I said, if I ever have a little girl, I'm naming her that. So after, <sighs> after, we, after Sonia came, we thought, well, we got to come up with <laughs> another name. And I thought, I don't want them to be... I actually wanted to name Sonia Lori. I love okay. the name Lori. And this, y'all, this is... But you had a Lori later. Yeah, Lori came five... I got my Lori five years later. But at the time, this is the dumbest reason not to name your child. But the girl that was in the room with me named her girl Lori. Oh, and so you were like, I can't do that. I can't do that. And here, would never see that person again. Right. Would never know. But I just, you know, I was only 20 years old. So this is the mindset, I guess. But anyway, so so interesting. My husband wanted to name the middle name Mona. His sister is named Mona Gale. No, um, I mean, I I didn't know Aunt Gale's first name. Her her name is Mona. Mona Gale. No offense, Gale, but I didn't want to name my child that. (laughs) I love I love her to death. (laughs) She's awesome. I didn't want to name my child Mona. And so, Lev said, I said, what about Denise? And he said, okay. So, Sonia Denise and Londa Londa Cherie. I love it. Oh, my gosh. That's so fun. So, that's how we... Oh, and they were so premature. Yeah. Back then, they had to be in isolates. And then they were they were not even an incubator. It was even more because they were how how much did they weigh? Okay, Sonia weighed two fourteen. Londa weighed three thirteen. Wow! So they're they're miracles. They had they're absolute miracles. And the doctor told us they said they were average gaining a half an ounce a day. Well, (laughs) they beat the odds. Three weeks later, Londa weighed five pounds. We brought her home. Incredible. Three weeks, and then four weeks. We were able to bring Sonia home. So we brought Londa home one week before Sonia. That was the hardest day of my life to leave one back and bring only one home. Back then, no car seats, no restraint. (laughs) Hear that, everyone? (laughs) I was sitting in the front seat 
just enamored with this precious child that God had given us. And I was, now you got to realize this is the first time I had been able to put my hands on them. I was not able to hold them, rock them, feed them. They were fed with a tube. They would not let you back there in that room at that time. I mean, I literally looked at my babies through a glass window. Wow. Never touched them until the day we brought them home. Wow. And then on the way home, and Aunt Frances, bless her sweetheart, she was my Uncle Witt's um, wife, and they lived real close to us. And she, I don't know what I would have done without her. She was wow. just a godsend to me. She came and helped you she in those came early days. And she, would, she came to our house. She actually stayed. She kept Londa when we went to the hospital a week later. She came Aww. up to my house. She and her daughter, Glad, and they babysat and, uh, and took care of her. We went to the hospital, and I remember bringing Sonia home. And I was saying, Lev was trying to drive, and I was just, I was looking at her toes and her fingers, and I said, look, she looks exactly like Londa, except her features are smaller. <laughs> Londa's head's bigger. Her, her head is smaller. It's a little bit different shape. Everything's the same except their shape. And I was just comparing and looking yeah. and feeling. It was just the most, I don't know how we made it home that day, because... Wow. It was amazing. Wow. And then my Aunt Onita, she bought, she had, we had one crib. She bought another crib for us. And so we had, well, I had a month to get, three weeks actually to get ready. So we were, we were able to completely refurnish the nursery and get all the things that we needed for two. And it's wow. just been a wonderful experience. And then you. With twins. And then five years later. Yeah. Then I Surprise. Get, get my other little girl, Lori. Came you you finally got your name, Lori. <laughs> Lori Suzanne. And she came five years after Lana and Sonia. And I'm thanking the Lord. I thank the Lord every day for our three girls. They're all amazing. They you, definitely are. It's just amazing how you, you know, became. You have been such an amazing mom to them. Oh, you know. You're sweet. No, I mean it. Well, and then today, as we're we're seated here, or we're just talking about all this, and I'm getting God has blessed me. I'm looking at my fourth great grandchild. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. And I think about my mother never she never got to even see one of her grandchildren. My dad passed away when when Lana and Sonia were two years old, so at least he got to see, um, he he got to see them even, and they have some memories of him. He died of cancer, and our he was living with us. I was taking care of my dad when he passed away, but I believe that he actually lived longer than he ordinarily would because he longed to be able to come home on the weekends from the VA hospital just to get to be with those twins wow wow so and so with your um so you have the three and then you got 12 grandchildren and another our fifth great grand is on the way (laughs) we have eight eight grandsons and four granddaughters and two great granddaughters and two great grandsons do you want to share any bit of your um journey into the church my husband was called to preach. Well, let me back up just a minute. When Lana and Sonia were four years old, I told my husband, I said, I would really 
I really want to raise our girls in church. And I said, I really want us to take them to Sunday school. I, I grew up in Sunday school. I was a religious person, but I was not saved. But I had that desire to see my, my, my girls be in church. And we had a, we had a family in our neighborhood, um, Miss Lily and Mr. Hubert, and they had a, a daughter named Frances Parks, who was my Sunday school teacher. She was crippled from polio, wow. and she, but she was able to drive her car. They would come and pick us up every Sunday and would go to Sunday school and church. And I always thought that's what, if I ever have a family, that's what I want to do. I want to raise them in church. So after my dad passed away, I started doing volunteer work for the Cancer Society. Okay. And in, in uh, part of that job was calling people and getting them to line up to co uh, collect on their street for the cancer. And one day I met this lady on the phone. Her name was Jody Florence. She I think you remember that is amazing. Oh my gracious, I'll never forget her. Amazing. Jody Florence. Her husband was named Buddy. And they were they actually went to an independent Methodist church there in our town. And she invited us to church. And we went and the second Sunday we went, my husband got saved. Wow. The second Sunday. And here I thought I was saved. I thought I was a Christian. But his life so drastically changed. Papa's did. His life. When he would come home, he worked at Georgia Power, and he would come home every day. And back then, we had this huge meal at night. So I would be still preparing dinner when he would come in. He'd go straight to the basement and start working on old cars. He constantly had a project going to make extra money for the family. Always. Wow. He always, always had something going to make extra money, whether it was repainting refrigerators or working on appliances that he would get at Georgia Power and resale. But anyway, or he would just work in the basement. After he got saved, he stopped doing that. He would come in and his sister had given him a children's Bible. And he would like come, a little one? A little. No, it's a regular. Okay. But it was written in a children's form. Okay. It was still the King James, but it was written in a, in a way that children could understand it. And he would come in and start reading his Bible. And I think, what has happened to my husband? <laughs> he would come in, instead of going down the basement and working, he would read his Bible. I saw such an amazing change in him, and I won't go into it, but two years later, God used his testimony of change to, to reveal to me that I, that's exactly what I needed. I needed to be born again. And so... I was saved. He was saved in 72. I was saved in 74. And it changed our lives. We were there. and We lived there uh, and for 12 years in Forest Park. And then God called my husband to preach. We went to People's Baptist Church. And where Brother Wright be, was our dearest, dearest. Not only was he our pastor, he was like a father figure to Lev and I. He was yeah. our spiritual mentor. He helped us so much in so many ways. I love him. I just loved him dearly. And he's, he's with the Lord now. But we, he, Lev was called to preach under his ministry. We sold out. He was in business with another man in a company called Autocode Incorporated there in Forest Park. 
And Papa was? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And so then he sold out his part to the to his part his well his his partner was the owner. Lev just had a, a partnership in that company. And he sold it back to him and we went to Tennessee Temple. We were there for eight years. He was in college. He graduated with honors, I might say. Wow, and that's worked, amazing. He worked a full time job with uh, all three of our girls were in Christian school. Wow. Lori never went to Lana we took Lana Sonia out of the public school in third grade. Lori never went to a public school. The Lord supplied the money for tuition for their elementary and and high school and college. They all three went to um, Pensacola Christian. Um, and then we were there after after college. We started a church in Columbus, Georgia. We were there for four years. And then we came to the church in Niceville, Florida. We were there for 31 years where he pastored. That's incredible. And we're... Um, He's retired from day-to-day pastoring, but when the Lord opens the door, he's he's able to preach uh, from from time to time now. So we're just enjoying our sunset years and enjoying our grandchildren, our great-grands, and what a special week we've had uh, to be mm-hmm. with Bethany and her family and Sonia and David this week at the beach. Mm-hmm. We're in... Um, uh, St. George Island. So we, yep. we're enjoying it. And I'm j- I feel blessed beyond words. Wow. I feel the same. <laughs> wow. That is, thank you so much for just all of this. I feel like, like I told you earlier, like I just want this to, I want your voice to be saying it, it forever, you know, so that we can have so it. And yeah, I just feel like you're, what I've, taken from you honestly just these last two times we've gotten to spend together is like you really just don't know you really don't know what you have until you see someone that doesn't have that you know and just it's been so like I'm getting choked up like it's been so inspiring to see you change the cycle for your kids you know and you didn't have what you gave them and so it's just yeah it's just it's calling me to like level up in my own life like you know, what are the ways that I can create for them what I want them to have, you know? And I mean, I feel like I had the Cadillac of experiences, but you know, it's just like you did that. (laughs) A lot of this. So sweet. Yeah. I mean it. So thank you for, and always just always being a person that I always know like you're, you're a safe place, you know? So thank you. Oh, I love you. <laughs> I love you too. I wish I, I could just keep coming up with questions for the rest of the night, but I know this is our last night hanging out and I want to interview Papa too. So with that, I guess I'll say, is there anything you'd want to add for generations to come to hear? Just love your family. Love your family unconditional because they're the most precious gift God could ever give any of us is our family. And those who we will get to spend eternity with in heaven with the Lord. And I just, just be there for them. It will, it, you will go through things when you have your children. You may think it's going to be a certain way, but that love never changes. No matter what your children go through, no matter what your grandchildren go through, the love, the bond that you have for those for your children and for your grandchildren. And 
and one thing that I, as I age, is we're all changing. We're none, none of us are perfect. None of us have it all together. But we have to get to the place in our lives as parents and raising our children. We want to see our children the way we know that God sees them in the end. And our job is to train them, to teach them the best that we can. And as I said, none of us are perfect. Nobody, nobody has perfect children because there's no perfect parents. But the, the key that I would say is to love your children unconditionally and to love and, and be the best wife that you can be and let God work through you. That's how, that would be the advice that I would give. I love it. Thank you so much, Mimi. <laughs>